Hey everybody, my name is Zoe and I am super blessed to be sitting here at a table with two super incredible people. I'm with Gabby and Stuart Hall and we have huge blessing today to be able to just have a conversation. And yeah, Gabby, I'll let you introduce yourself more. Hello, my name is Gabby Levno and um, I'm here and we're gonna chat. And we're gonna chat. <laughs> and I, you know, we do need to paint a picture for all the listeners of yes. the panorama that we have from the uh, Senate of the Heartland studios here in Spark, <laughs> Colorado. Yes, we are. We are literally miles away from the entrance of the Rocky Mountain National Forest in, a, in the cradle of the Rocky Mountains. The cradle. Uh, and wherever you look, I think the thing I love about this place is it makes you feel immensely small. Mm-hmm. It's a good yes. reminder that uh, I am not. <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah. You know what I mean? No. Nope. Yeah. Nothing. What did you What did you say in your caption the other day? It doesn't matter who I am or where I am. It's about the great I am. Yeah. And being here. Mm-hmm. Gabby, Gabby dropping bars. Yeah. Right away. Right away. <laughs> See, and that's what's beautiful about us three. I feel like we were making comments earlier today that. We have conversations and talk about deep stuff all the time. All the time. So yeah. we're just chatting, but now we have mics in front of us. It made me giggle yesterday. You guys came and got in on the tail end of lunch and we mm-hmm. immediately dropped anchor. Yep. Yeah. And so much so that sometimes Gabby will fall asleep in the back of the car, <laughs> but we won't, we won't talk about that. Yeah. Um, so a little more background about our relationship, I guess. We grew up listening to Stuart. So mm-hmm. he's yeah. been around for a while on a stage with Mike, just saying stuff <laughs> that he believes. And over the years, it stuck with us. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been introduced that way. <laughs> In essence, what you're saying is Stuart is extremely old. We were young when we started listening to him. And he just speaks randomly in the microphones. <laughs> no, no. I'm trying to make it seem simple and yeah. like we're friends. We are friends. Yeah. yeah. And for all of you youth leaders that are listening, uh, I've said this several times this week, and I'm not ashamed to say it in front of Gabby and Zoe. I've not met two more impressive young women uh, in America, uh, you guys give me hope. It's the best. That's the easiest way to summarize how I think about my wife feels the same way. You both are just uber impressive, Um, kind of nauseating how impressive you are, actually. Um, So, yeah, I'm honored that you guys asked me to do this and this, the inaugural podcast from the via satellite on location here at YMCA. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what he's saying is we have no idea what we're doing. (laughs) 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 The simple way of saying it. But we are going to dive into some, I think, some really good stuff. So it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, So actually right now at this event, Stuart is leading a thing for us called the leadership track. Um, And so, yeah, he's teaching high schoolers and their adults how to be better leaders in their circles and just trying to influence them to influence their peers in the next generation. And so... Um, obviously he's in the leadership. So we want to ask you if you could share a personal example of a time when your faith influenced your leadership decisions or approach. Yeah. I think it was the great theologian, Oprah Winfrey, who once said that you're going to wind up at the truth. So you might as well start there. Mm. I try to, 
I try to remember that with everything uh, as it relates to my interactions with people. I think one of the things that we make a, a, a huge mistake doing is not always centering ourselves on what is true, what we believe to be most important, what is priority. So for me, the, like when you send me that question, one of the first things that I thought about, I was on a plane September the 11th in 2001. Wow. Mm. Uh, I would, at the time, jump on a plane every Monday, fly to uh, Dallas, Texas. I would speak at a, a huge college Bible study, thousands of college students, and then I would jump back on a flight home on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Wow. So literally, I was gone less than 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So September the 11th, 2001, I was on that return flight um, and was in a holding pattern over Atlanta for a number of hours while planes were flying into buildings in New York City. Uh, my wife, Kelly, didn't know where I was. You can imagine the angst in her heart. Mm -hmm. um, and I have distinct, very vivid memories of this was long before you could power up your phone um, mid-flight. I have just a very vivid memory of everybody turning on their phone when we got to the gate <clears throat> excuse me and watching and listening to people gasp because either they had gotten a call or gotten a voicemail walking out on the concourse atlanta's the busiest airport in america and there's not a soul mm -hmm. by the time i got down to baggage claim the national guard was rushing in to commandeer the airport wow because found out later that um, if you don't know, the Center for Disease Control is in Atlanta, and they thought that maybe it was a target. Mm -hmm. So they were shutting everything down. Mm -hmm. uh, I made a decision speeding home, went immediately, got our son out of preschool, that I was not going to, I was going to quit speaking mm -hmm. uh, at that event okay. every Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, now, mind you, I had tons of friends that thought it was career suicide because there was a little known band at the time that was leading worship at that event called Mercy Me. Oh, Nobody okay. knew who they were. I can only imagine why they left. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, but all my friends were like, why would you do that? Well, the reason I would do that is because my first priority as a leader is to my wife and to my children. It's not yeah. for other people to hear me speak. Yeah. And this kind of bleeds into one of the other questions you ask. I'm not unique as a communicator and I'm not unique as a leader. I am only unique as husband to my wife, Kelly, mm -hmm. and daddy to Grant Chandler Cameron. So why would I sell out to an area where I'm not unique? And I think that's a temptation that a lot of leaders make. They convince themselves nobody else can lead like I can lead. Mm -hmm. If you don't think someone can lead, or someone, there's not a leader like you, or no one can replace you, quit mm. and see how quickly they replace you. Yeah. Yeah. And I quit and they replaced me like that and replaced me with a very famous communicator who's a lot better than I am. But you know what they can't replace? They can't replace the time that I got with my wife and my children. So that's the first thing that popped in my mind when you were talking about that. Wow. You speak a lot about you're very aware of the generational differences because between our generations. Mm -hmm. um, and like that being said, for example, I wasn't alive during 9-11 and mm -hmm. I, I can't even, I can't 
correctly comprehend the the culture shift that happened post 9-11 because mm. I wasn't there or mm. you know um and being a communicator is it difficult sometimes with your audience we were not present for those culture shaping events so we don't have the perspective the context the yeah. context that you do that's a great question a very good question uh, one of the, one of the things that I think we miss in faith communities, especially, is that most senior pastors, any 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 given Sunday they stand up, they are speaking to six or seven generations. Mm. We wow. miss that. Wow. Think about that. Yeah. There are six or seven generations sitting in an audience. So I try to take that in consideration. I spend the vast majority of my time speaking to middle school and high school students, mm. but there are always adults in the room as well. Yes. So I think it it is smart for me to throw a bone to an adult yes. that a teenager may not get. Mm -hmm. But Gabby, I would, I would actually like, I completely concur with what you're saying, but you guys have lived through culture shifts that most adults aren't handling well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's no secret that uh, generation Z was dealing with anxiety, mental health, loneliness, and depression considered, by every expert, the loneliest, most depressed, anxious generation in the history of our country. Mm -hmm. And that was ha happening long before COVID-19, yeah. long before the pandemic. Yep. So you guys understand a shift that most adults yeah. don't understand. Yes. So yeah. I think it's an interesting balance of every once in a while, you got to make sure you keep adults engaged yes. because generally speaking, there's always an adult in an audience. Yeah. But you can also use because so many things have changed because of 9-11, for example, <laughs> and you guys haven't, but back in the day, you didn't have to go through security. Cannot imagine. <laughs> Not only that, but your family could walk you to the gate. Yeah. All of that changed. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so, and, and because of COVID um, and the pandemic, uh, because of the, uh, the economic crash of 2008, those are all things that we've been a part of that mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form, uh, impact your generation now. Absolutely. And I think an effective communicator is always going to try to take those things into consideration. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. And that just speaks to the importance of, I think something that's like unique, even um, through our relationship, Stuart, you having a relationship with Zoe and I and truly seeing us is that it's, I, I appreciate, I really appreciate that we are of gen different generations. Like yeah. our age difference in that, that we are still. Age shame number two. No. <laughs> <laughs> that we still hear each other and want to learn from each other. Mm. And we want to learn your experience. Mm. And you are so aware and to listen to our experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being a dad, I can't imagine I being just, a dad. You, you have a different perspective. Well, yeah. I would, you know, we have, Kelly and I have a 28 year old son, 26 year old daughter, 23 year old daughter. So you guys are like our daughters yeah. and, and we see a ton of them in you. So it mm -hmm. makes it a lot easier, but I th I do think way too many of the generations before you guys do not take a posture of learning. Mm. They like this is going to sting for a lot of us, but way too many of us believe that we are the default setting for the human experience and everybody else is just another. Yeah. And yeah. the yeah. thing that that I have learned because of our children um, 
all three of our kids went away to school. All three of our kids went to colleges that were, you know, pretty diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, all three of our kids live with people of color. Yeah. Our two daughters live with people of different sexual orientation. It forces you to either draw a really hard line in the sand and become unmoving, mm-hmm. or uh, I think the way of Jesus is to open your arms and say, how can I learn from you? Yes. And Kelly and I have just decided to take that posture. And what's happened as a result is that there are things that our children have taught us that we would have never learned otherwise because we decided, you know, the posture is to, is to ask, what is your perspective? And yes. how, what is it that I can learn? Yes. You know, yes. way too many adults. My both my parents are deceased, and I would put them in this category. My parents passed away in their seventies, but they died in their forties. Oh, wow! Because they just stopped growing. They just stopped learning, and I, mm. I just don't want to be that way. And I, there's way too many youth leaders who are listening that you don't want to do that either. Yeah. Um, I listened to or watched the Beastie Boys documentary. You guys, do y'all know who the Beastie Boys are? The Maya Stro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you got to, so you so got to fight for your right party. That song. Okay. You got to fight. Yeah. Ad um, a- Rock, one of the DJs in Beastie Boys, said in his documentary, "I would rather be a hypocrite than the same person I was ten years ago." Mm. And what he was in essence saying is, if I'm the same person I was ten years ago, I'll stop growing. And I, I, I adopt that. Like, I would rather you think, well, you're a hypocrite because you weren't that way 10 years ago. You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much more to learn about the, 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 the life example and person of Jesus yeah. and what it means to follow him. Yes. Um, and how that impacts my everyday faith. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like, <laughs> like what you're saying to us right now is kind of like, your mission, I could say, like we've had conversations about like why you go do mm-hmm. speaking events and like why you hang out with middle schoolers and high schoolers and build relationships. So like, can you say more? Yeah. Of just about that and like why you do what you do. Well, I'm, traveling speaking is not my full-time job. I'm the director of student leadership for an organization called Orange. We partner with over 80 denominations around the world and trying to help uh, past generations and the next generation break the bridge of the gap and yeah. so we can help each other. Yes. So that's a part of why I feel like I'm on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do feel an immense responsibility as someone that's a little farther down the road. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday at lunch, maybe before you guys got there, but Marquise Cox, who's one of the communicators here, is a dear, dear friend uh, and younger. He's 20 years younger than I am. And Kelly and I have kind of pushed him and a bunch of people like him to the front because I feel an immense responsibility at the end of the day, you know, I'm going to die. You know, my mom, before she passed away, looked at me and said, she was trying to comfort me. She said, you know, Stuart, one out of every one people die. (laughs) I'm like, mom, your math is impeccable, but (laughs) we're all going to pass away. But the question is, you know, what lives on, you know, what about your legacy lives on? So if I can pass along anything that I've learned, if I can, I think this is really, really important for any leader, but it's especially important for a leader who's in a position of privilege. The color of my skin gives me privilege in America that people of color don't have. Mm -hmm. So my position platform and my skin pigmentation gives me privilege 
that I should, I can either use because I feel like there's scarcity. So I need to gobble it all up for myself or I can be open handed and, and be for other people. Mm -hmm. And Kelly and I've just chosen to do, you know, I'm holding my hands out (laughs) (laughs) to be open handed, uh, so that, you know, incredible leaders like you guys and Marquise and others will take up the mantle and hopefully it, you know, hopefully it's inspiring enough that you guys one day are going to find little, you know, many Zoe's and Gabby's and you're going to pour into them as well. So I, you know, as it relates to middle school and high schoolers, I just remember, even though I'm 55 years old, I remember what it's like to be middle school and high school. It's the most confusing time ever just because of developmental changes. Absolutely. None of us, you can pay us anybody around this table enough money to go back to middle school. This, nope. Nope. It's, the, it's the most awkward time in the world and you yeah. know it and you can't do anything about it. Yes. But if we can provide, if uh, someone wise a long time ago said this to me, that teenagers will gravitate to the oldest person in the room who takes them seriously. Mm. I just try to take the next generation seriously. Wow. And I don't, have any desire to be famous, but I do have a desire to, to help a kid yeah. and to take whatever they're going through seriously, because we, you never know who needs a fist bump, mm-hmm. an arm around them, mm-hmm. an encouraging word, yeah. how it changes a life. It's, you know, it's really that simple. I'm yeah. not, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to be Superman by any stretch. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it just speaks to why you found, uh, your success is because that's just imitating the character of Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, making yourself less so that he can be, he can be greater, yeah. you know, and it's just pouring out into others. And that's yeah. just, one of the questions you asked Gabby uh, and Zoe, y'all asked, uh, how would you define Christian leadership? Uh, and I kind of giggled at the question because I think you have to extract the word, the label or branding of Christian out of it, because I think any leader is really an influence. Like the, the essence of leadership is influence. As a person of faith, though, I'm a follower of Jesus. So how leadership is impacted to your point, Gabby, as it relates to having a relationship with Jesus, that means that the way of Jesus is the way I have to lead. Yes. And the way Jesus led and the way of Jesus is the way of love. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite theologians defines love this way. That to love is to act intentionally and with sympathetic sympathetic response to God and toward others for the for the goal of the of the overall overall well being of another. So when I'm a leader, I am leading in the way of Jesus, which means I am leading by love Mm -hmm. for the overall well being of anybody that I come in contact with. Mm -hmm. That's how I define it, and hopefully that's how. I'm choosing to live my life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amazing. And you don't have to be a traveling speaker or a no. leader of a huge organization to do that. Like, no, in fact, the real heroes of like this week, you know, you know over 3,000 people probably total. And the real heroes are the men and women who volunteer their time to invest in high school guys and high school girls, many of them giving up hard-earned vacation days. So they're actually losing money to be here, but they're doing that because what they realize is that they are gaining about six months of relational equity in Mm -hmm. four days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Because they are pouring their life into teenagers that they walk with on a day-in, day-out basis. Mm -hmm. It's why, in my opinion, teachers, coaches, 
school officials are heroes. Yes. Yeah. Because they spend concentrated time every single day during the school year with the next generation. Yeah. And for us to think that there is something more noble or greater than because you do ministry for a living, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a, it's an, pardon, but it's an asinine idea. Yeah. Because we, What's interesting is you start doing ministry because you love God and you love teenagers. And then you realize I don't spend any time with teenagers. <laughs> I'm spending all my time planning things that teenagers will come to. Yeah. Whereas coaches and teachers are spending all that time with them. Yeah. And a volunteer is doing the same thing. Yeah. So it's just walking alongside yeah. doing life. That's what discipleship is. Really. It is. Yeah. It is. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. not some cut out cookie cutter. Like. Sunday school program that right. you follow the leader guide. Yep. Like discipleship is doing life with people, walking alongside them, the everyday stuff, teachers, mm-hmm. coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. It's the relationships that matter. It's the people that matter. And yeah. that's the most impactful teachers, coaches, and um, individuals, adult figures in a high school student's life. It's the, it's the way that the, the adult humbled themselves to Mm-hmm. to walk alongside mm-hmm. yeah. that's good yeah yeah if you if you it it makes sense logically that if the essence of leadership is influence what's the point of leading someone if you're not leading them somewhere worth going mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. a leader worth following is going somewhere worth going mm-hmm. yeah. so the question you have to ask yourself is to what or to who are you leading someone to mm-hmm. and if i am trying to lead from love because that's the way Jesus has led me. Then what I'm trying to do is to help them understand that God, you know, you've been created by love to love and be loved. Yeah. And that allows us a ton of like room to just be ourselves yes. and for yes. God to meet you exactly where you are. And I don't feel as a leader, a ton of pressure to, you know, air quotes, evangelize you as much as I do to love you Mm -hmm. and care about you and meet you where you are and have the emotional and empathetic intelligence to be able to somehow sit in your seat and see life the way you see it. Um, I think that's the biggest battle. Yeah. Yeah. And in that battle, I think it's, is necessary to point out the, the difficulties of of leading in our in our current context mm-hmm. because what is our current culture telling you to lead to? Mm-hmm. That's it's, good. it's a leadership a, a leader in a in a work in a workplace in a business mm-hmm. in a in a hospital anywhere. Um, you know, are are you supposed to be leading towards success? Right. Bottom line. Bottom line mm-hmm. to to yes mm-hmm. to you know what where are you leading to? That's mm-hmm. a great. Yeah, it is a great question. And I think, uh, first of all, everything is spiritual. So to, to, to be a Jesus follower and being a leader and be a leader does not mean you have to surrender to a full-time vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. On the contrary, because everything is spiritual, you can lead. I think the bigger question is how are you gifted? What are you passionate about? And how does it mesh with why you're on the planet? Because there are, there are people who are doing ministry. They're not gifted to do it. They're not passionate about doing it. And it really doesn't mess with why God put them on the planet okay. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in in faith circles, for whatever reason, we've we have established vocational ministry as the pinnacle. Yeah. 
And it's just not true. So I think a bigger question is how do I figure out how I'm gifted? Mm-hmm. What am I passionate about doing? Yes. There is no greater misery as a leader than being gifted about get, being gifted to do something, but you're not passionate about it yeah. or being passionate about something, but not being gifted. gifted yeah. Yes. Yeah. But there are a ton of teenagers who are passionate about leading worship, but they can't sing yeah. or, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm not picking on worship leaders. I'm, I'm just yeah. saying yeah. like we, I think the bigger question, and this is for every youth leader listening to this, everything is spiritual. Mm. So how, how are you gifted? How has God wired you? Yeah. And what are you passionate about? Mm-hmm. And how does that mesh with why you're on the planet? Wow. And the most fulfilled, impactful, uh, consistent leaders are the people who have figured out this is how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm gifted. Yes. This is what I'm passionate about. This is why I'm on the planet and I'm going to go do that. And yeah. that sometimes means I'm a coach. Yeah. And that may mean that I'm a teacher. Yes. And that may mean I'm in business. That may mean I'm in technology. Yeah. That may mean, may mean I do graphics. Yeah. It, I mean, that may mean I'm a homemaker. Yeah. That may, I mean, it, it everything's spiritual. Yes. So I think that maybe that's freeing for somebody. Like quit thinking like, I don't want to work. You don't have to work at the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't. Yes. You don't. Our seminaries are full of people who have no idea why they're there. Yeah. It was just the most logical next step if they really loved God. Yeah. And that's just really backwards what someone has once said. That's stinking thinking. <laughs> that goes back to why we're here, why we're at Rocky Mountain High. And, you know, those people who are in some seminary who maybe shouldn't be there because they haven't figured out the answers to those questions. Mm-hmm. That goes to why we are here mm-hmm. because through the interactions in this space, the goal is to lead these students to answer those questions yes. or to start asking them. Yes. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you started going down that road. Um, one of a leader I respect, her name is Ruth, uh, Ruth Haley Barton. Um, I think I've, I wrote down a quote. I would love to read it to you guys and make sure that I get it right. This is Ruth Haley Barton. We set young leaders up for a fall if we encourage them to envision what they can do before they consider the kind of person they should be. Yeah. Hmm. We are setting the next generation up for a fall if we encourage them to consider what are you going to do, who are you going to be, and not what, what kind of person are you going to be. Yeah. yeah. Leadership is a choice. You're not born a leader. You choose to be a leader. Yeah. And I think it I think it's really a, to be in speak in general terms. It's five choices. It's integrity, choosing to be responsible to what is true. Mm-hmm. It's humility, yes. choosing first to go last. Mm-hmm. It's courage, choosing love over fear. It's excellence, choosing to provide a better pu- or to create a better future by going the extra mile. And it's grit. Choosing passion over distraction. Mm-hmm. The, the high school student who walks away from Rocky and they decide, I'm going to be a person of integrity, humility. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to do everything that I do with excellence. And I am going to, I am going to have some stick to Like when it gets hard, I'm not going to quit. Yeah. That's the young lady and young man who wind up having influence. Mm-hmm. Steph Curry talks about 
he uses this term, a thousand invisible mornings. If you haven't seen his recent documentary that released called Underrated, I would highly recommend it. But it shows him spending an entire summer changing his shot, his his shot pocket. Mm -hmm. Zoe, you get that. And it was literally just a thousand invisible mornings that nobody saw. Yeah. And having gaining influence is really gained when you're making decisions that nobody sees. Yes. It's it's choosing to be responsible to to what is true when everybody else is choosing a different, making a different choice. That's what we can do here is hopefully, you know, one of the things we don't do in the leadership track is talk about what are you going to be? We're focused on who are you going to be? Yes. Who are you going to be? Yeah. And, and, and then that can transfer to how it, once it starts clicking, you know, the, the data says that, you know, the average high school graduate today will change occupations seven times in their lifetime, not jobs, occupations. Mm -hmm. And four of those haven't even been invented because technology is advancing so fast. Mm -hmm. So for, (laughs) for a sophomore in high school to say, this is what I'm going to do and who I'm, you know, that's dangerous. Yeah. But, this is the kind of person I'm going to be. Yeah. That's doable. And how many times are high school graduate? How many people are asking me, what are you going to do in five years? Right. Yeah. What are you going to do in 10 years? Right. What do you, yeah. What are you doing now? What's the next step? Yeah. What's, that's, that's, right now. Well, yeah. We're being pounded on our heads in college is, oh, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, I feel like that's a like a mindset shift maybe it's a generational thing that like our generation wants to be somebody not to do something we talked about this a little bit yesterday in the in the trek you were guys what has changed is mutual responsibility has become has become mutual understanding so your generation is begging for mutual understanding Mm -hmm. and i do think COVID has something to do with that because people have realized how fragile life is so why would i waste all my time in a job that i I'm not passionate about this. No. Yeah. Or why would I expend so much energy, you know, in the rat race in Wall Street or whatever? And so we have people who are quitting jobs right and left because mm-hmm. they're going, it's just not worth it. I yeah. want to do something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, the beautiful thing about you guys and others is that it's more than that. Not only do I want to do something that I'm passionate about, but I want to do it for someone I'm passionate about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Something that has eternal you know, it matters. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think something like personally I've had to learn is that like, it's not bad if you're passionate about something that you don't necessarily, like, isn't necessarily the smartest thing to do. Like, it's okay to be passionate about something that isn't the easiest path to take. Yes. It's okay if you're good at something that like, isn't a class in high school. Yes. And like you're saying, like God gives us those passions and those, gifts that we're good at like for a reason like that's why he put us on the planet yeah i would actually submit zoe that one way you can find out if you're passionate about something is if it's hard hmm. more about that well the way that you discover if you're passionate about a thing is if it gets hard and you don't want to quit yeah but yes. what we what we tend to do is we look for everything that's easy and that must be what i'm passionate about no yeah. what you're passionate about is the thing that you can't like, I can't get away from this. No. Like, being in love with Kelly, Kelly is not someone 
that I could live with for the rest of my life. I couldn't live without her. Yeah. That's how I knew I was passionate about her. Yeah. And even when it was hard, wow. like I can't live without you. So I'm willing to go through hell or high water to have you, you know, yes. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the same holds true, I think, with whatever it is that you want to do in life. Maybe, maybe the test for your passion is it's gotten hard. Yeah. And, you know, it's when it's easy and you don't really care, that's a good sign that that's not your passion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that goes to where are you going to bear fruit, right? Mm-hmm. How are you going to bear fruit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It takes pruning. Right. It takes pruning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it takes pruning. Like going back to what you said, what Rocky is for, it's yeah, encountering Jesus and to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think high schoolers are afraid to ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Am I really passionate about this? Mm-hmm. Am I really good at this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that there's people here that are willing to push them a little, nudge them a little to ask yeah. those hard questions. And and it should also be said too, greatness is a state of being. It's not a it's not an outcome. And mm-hmm. I think our culture pushes us toward greatness. Like if you're not Steph Curry, for example, then you're not great. Yeah. No, you can be great and not have an a Steph Curry outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Because yes. you're passionate about it and you have some gifting. Not everybody will they ever shoot a basketball like Steph Curry. Yeah. Um, but as long as you're passionate about it and there's gifting, then you're going to be fulfilled. Yeah. I think. Yes. These are good questions. Y'all are, y'all are killing it so far. <laughs> How much longer we got?